And now it's time for us to discuss more of these headlines in simple keywords. And Adam joining us via Zoom. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Lena. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday, Friday Eve. It is Friday Eve. Thank you for bringing that back. <laughs> <laughs> I want to revive it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's jump into our keyword news portion of the day. We're going to try to clarify some of these major headlines. So for our listeners, uh, with uh, starting with our continued provocations from North Korea, this is our first keyword of the day. More missiles. So North Korea has launched several cruise missiles into the West Sea in yet another provocation, as you've alluded to, and several experts on our program also alluded to. It's expected, especially leading up to the big U.S. presidential election and also our general elections in South Korea. But it is yet another provocation. What's the latest, Adam? That's right. So it's not uh, as severe, if you will, uh, to the extent of a ballistic missile launch, but it is a provocation nonetheless. Uh, the Joint Chiefs of Staff said the launch took place around 7 a.m. yesterday and is currently analysing the specifics of the missiles with U.S. intelligence agencies. Uh, it added that it is also enhancing surveillance and vigilance for any further activities or signs from North Korea, as you said, because there's expectations that more provocations will come, especially ahead of the general elections and the U.S. presidential election. Now, North Korea, for its part, said the missiles launched were its new Pulhasar 331 strategic cruise missiles. It said it was test-fired for the first time as part of what it called regular and obligatory activities to develop powerful weapons systems. It added that the launch did not pose any threat to the safety uh, of neighboring countries and has nothing to do with regional security. Now, a military source uh, was cited in reports suggesting the missiles had a substantial range and were likely launched from the ground. Reports also suggest that the missiles flew in a circular trajectory in waters west of Pyongyang. Now, cruise missiles are usually powered by jet propulsion technology and fly at a lower speed and altitude uh, than ballistic missiles. However, experts say they do still pose a risk to South Korea uh, and Japan because they are harder to detect uh, by radar and also North Korea is claiming that they uh, are able to put nuclear warheads on them as well. Now, the United States uh, called on North Korea to refrain from further threatening activity and return to dialogue. And mm -hmm. it also brought condemnation from South Korea as well. All right. We'll leave it there for now as we turn our attention to our second keyword of the day. Banga in Korea. So President Yoon has met with the World Bank President, Ajay Banga, to discuss various issues. This marks their first encounter in Korea in over five years. Let's uh, cover what came out of this meeting. Right. So, yes, it was the first trip by Banga uh, to Korea uh, in five years. They discussed issues related to mental health, development aid and digital technology. Uh, Yoon ref uh, referenced his past experience attending international anti-corruption conferences when he was uh, the prosecutor general, emphasizing the importance of establishing uh, a free market economy to eradi eradicate corruption and ensure fair competition driven by the private sector. He added that Korea was also able to achieve uh, economic development after fighting poverty with help from the international community in the past. Uh, he vowed to expand Korea's role as well as a global pivotal country by significantly increasing uh, its Official Development Assistance, or ODA. Now, in response, Banga praised Korea's policy direction in expanding its ODA, highlighting 
uh, the country as a model example that transitioned from a low-income recipient uh, to a high-income donor within a generation. And he expressed that Korea's developmental experience would be genuinely beneficial for developing countries. He also called for strengthening cooperation between the World Bank and Korea in the digital technology field. Uh, the pair also discussed the Korean government's policy on mental health promotion. And Banga noted that supporting overall health, including mental health, should be seen as investment in human capital rather than a cost. And Yoon expressed a similar sentiment. I wonder if I can plug in something I just learned a few days ago. Ever heard of the terminology mm. G77? No, right? So is that... 57 more countries than G20. <laughs> right. And, and actually, David Tizard, one of our regular guests, brought it up to us. And I'm so glad he did because we focus so greatly on G7, right? The group yeah. of seven most industrialized, powerful countries in the world. They set the rules, essentially, and they're the leading economies. Mm. And then there's G77, yeah. which actually precedes the establishment of G7. And they're mm. the developing nations. And right. mind you, it's not even 77 nations. It's like 150 countries. Right. So you look at that discrepancy, it, we we do owe it to the developed nations to follow up on their demands as well. I, I yeah. just, G77 sort of blew my mind, so I had to share it with you. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point. I mean, if we look at the world as uh, a whole, then of course, there's a lot more developing countries than there are uh, developed countries. Right. But yeah, when there is a sort of international gatherings or policy settings, then yeah. it is those seven major countries that do kind of call the shots. And so... Mm. Some developing countries might be on board uh, with those G7 countries. Fundamentally, but, uh, I, yes. Fundamentally, yeah. yes. But when you go to push the policies, at the end of the day, it's about you know the, each country's economy first. And uh, right. I understand the discrepancy and the tug of war, but I just thought it was it was something that we had to add because we're guilty yeah. of covering mostly G7 events, right? Yeah, those are the countries that do take the uh, headlines because they're yeah. the ones, who, as as I say, are the ones uh, calling the shots, uh, setting out the policies. And of course, they do have these developing countries in mind when they do set these policies. But is it welcoming news for these developing countries or not? And mm. so, yeah, I mean... Mm -hmm. uh, It'll be interesting to see if there's kind of a separate gathering of these G77s uh, in a, a major international event and uh, whether it all starts getting uh, headlines or uh, <laughs> making the news or if they are the ones uh, calling the shots. So we'll have to see. David will be so proud that we plug this in. All right, let's, let's move on <laughs> to our third keyword of the day. Nilbom School. So beginning uh, this second semester, so-called Nilbom Schools will be expanded nationwide. Uh, this will allow elementary first graders to utilize various educational and care programs until the evening. So they're essentially like after-school programs, right? Tell us the details. Mm. Yeah, so they are essentially kind of after-school programs just under the name of uh, Nilbom Schools. Uh, it's roughly translated to kind of nurture schools, if you will. Now, the mm -hmm. initiative aims to uh, integrate early childhood education and child care, which were previously managed separately by different ministries. So there was a lot of discrepancies of policies and responsibilities, and it was a bit of a chaotic kind of uh, scheme and system. Now, this is part of plans by the Education Ministry, 
to tackle social issues like low birth rates through educational reforms. Now, newborn schools were uh, actually piloted last year in 459 schools. They'll be expanded to about 2,000 schools in the first semester of this year and to all elementary schools uh, in the second semester. That is the target anyway. Now, this is regardless of parents' employment status or income level. Uh, and based on a recent survey, 83.6% of parents with children entering the first grade are actually interested uh, in this program. So it is gaining traction. Now to uh, uh, in other areas, to reduce teachers' workload, the ministry will separate newborn school duties from regular teaching responsibilities. This is, of course, all part of a bigger plan to kind of ease kind of responsibilities and pressure on uh, teachers. Uh, additional temporary teachers will be hired for new tasks related to the program. Uh, program. Also, a dedicated Nilbom support office will also be established in every elementary school from the second semester. Uh, now, the financial support for kindergarten and childcare fees, currently around 350,000 per month, will increase to 400,000 uh, for five-year-olds this year. Uh, the government will also select three pilot regions and 30 so-called model schools in March to spearhead the uh, integration project. Uh, in addition, the ministry aims to strengthen responses to school violence and protect teachers' rights. A new hotline will be launched next month for immediate reporting of teachers' rights uh, infringements. Guidelines for handling such complaints will be provided to schools. Mm. Uh, President Yoon underscored the necessity of these policies for reducing private education expenses and addressing low birth rates as well. All right, because partially that does look like part of an education reform plan. Let's stay on the topic. Our fourth keyword of the day. College entrance. The education ministry has backtracked on its initial plan to make a certain percentage of undecided major admissions a condition for financial incentives for universities. So what's changed? Uh, what's the latest? Right. So initially, the plan, uh, as you said, required universities in Seoul, as well as other major national universities, to select a certain percentage of students undecided on their major to receive uh, funding from this year. But the ministry changed its approach due to concerns from universities about the short preparation time. There's also been some backlash from a lot of deans at this universe, uh, universities as well, saying it's a bit... Um, counterintuitive. Now, the ministry still aims to increase the proportion of students admitted without a specific major to over 25%, well, but will be more flexible uh, for this year. Now, this policy is part of an effort to reduce the reliance on private education uh, among students. For college admissions in 2025, the ministry will assess universities based on their efforts to allow students more freedom in choosing their majors, regardless of their non-major admission rates. This means universities have more freedom this year in determining their admission strategy. So initially, when they want the ministry wanted to implement the plan from March, when the semester begins, but of course, it's not that much time for these universities to prepare. So it's giving universities a little bit more leeway uh, and um, freedom to decide on what it wants to do for this year. Now, the plan to encourage universities to increase their non-major admission rates uh, from next year onwards will be decided uh, in the second half mm. of this year as well. Additionally, the ministry will work on transferring financial management responsibilities for universities from central to local governments so that uh, it is better catered to each specific region. Uh, to tackle the issue of private education, meanwhile, the ministry will 
continue operating a reporting center for uh, what they've been calling private education cartels and admissions corruption. It'll also enhance the scrutiny of private mock tests to avoid similarities with the College Scholastic Ability Test or the National uh, College Entrance Exam and its mock tests as well. All right, with that, we move on to our final keyword of the day. Stricter insurance criteria. So beginning in April, foreigners and Koreans living abroad must reside in Korea for at least six months to be registered as dependents of a national health insurance subscriber. That's a pretty big shift. Tell us the details. Right. So the decision follows uh, an amendment, actually, to the Health Insurance Act that goes into effect on April 3rd. The National Health Insurance Service said the change aims to prevent people who don't reside long term in Korea from briefly traveling to the country to receive national health insurance coverage. Now, currently, direct family members of an employee in Korea who is subscribed to the national health insurance can be registered as dependents regardless of nationality or whether uh, they live abroad. The only requirement is that the dependent earns less than 20 million won a year. Uh, Now, there are exemptions to the new six-month residency rule. For example, children under 19 and the spouse of an insurance subscriber can be registered as a dependent and receive health insurance coverage regardless of residency. Also, foreigners who are residing in Korea Uh, It'll be interesting to know if you are one of these people. Um, They will be exempt through specific visa types. So if you have a student visa, the D2, or a training, D43, or non-professional employment, E9, permanent residency, F5, or marriage to a Korean national, which is under the F6 visa, they'll also be uh, registered, uh, can be registered as as, uh, dependents regardless. So it does look like maybe not extending the same favor to short-term stays. Is that what I can take away from that? Yeah, so a lot of people, uh, for example, if uh, a lot of the health insurance coverage isn't that substantial in the countries where some people are residing in, they often come to Korea for a very short period of time, for Mm. a few months, for example. Mm. Uh, If they have someone that they could be a dependent uh, on uh, with in terms of the national health insurance and kind of exploit the system, if you will. And so they'll just come for a couple of months, get treatment for a cheap price, Mm. and then go back to their country. Mm. Uh, And so that was kind of seeing... uh, or the government sees it as, you know, kind of free riding and they mm-hmm. don't want that to happen, mm-hmm. um, of course, because it does uh, eat into the costs of the national health insurance as well. So, yeah, they're trying to um, tackle that issue. Uh, so, yeah, six months is the period. Um, but there are some people say it should be longer. But, uh, yeah, six months is what's been decided <laughs> now. Thank you so much, Adam, for today's coverage. We'll see you tomorrow. You're very welcome. I'll see you on Monday, actually, because I'm away tomorrow. But uh, I'll see you next week. Lucky you. It was Friday. (laughs) See you next week. It was Friday. (laughs) See you next week. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.